This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. This is Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. So in a recent video, Pastor Creflo Dollar, who's a mega pastor here in Georgia, actually used to attend his church when I first moved here. Um, he seemingly endorsed Stacey Abrams. Here's the audio. I, I just want to say this because I want to see how it sounds. Uh, Governor Stacey Abrams just walked in. <laughs> So clearly, Stacey did not win, thank God. But that's another issue for another episode. We'll talk about that. Anywho, I thought to myself, clearly we are back to blending church and state. Because at some point, there was a time where people felt like, oh, we don't need to talk about church and and religion and politics in the same room, in the same space. But clearly we're back. (laughs) There was a time where pastors did not talk about politics at all. But again... We're back. It's no secret that I am a conservative and that I'm pro-life and I really, really, really do believe in my my personal beliefs. I, I think this podcast is probably the podcast that so far that has been the most personal to me because it's something that I've been pondering on and thinking about. Um, it, it, it highlights where I stand on a lot of things and why I stand the way I stand, (laughs) why my positions are the way they are. So all of my political positions are backed by, and it's not just me, like this is kind of the rule of our house. And my husband said this, and, um, and I obviously agree to it because I've been living this way for a while, but all of our political positions are backed by the Constitution, capitalism, and the Bible. We are believers, we're followers of Christ, and that is something that is extremely important to us. But all of my positions are first rooted in the Word of God. That's what we have chosen for our life and for our home. And it took me some time to get here because my journey with the Lord was just that. It's a little bit of a journey. You know, I was raised in an extremely deeply religious home that was full of traditions. I mean, we we very loving home, but just heavily on the spiritual side of things. And I kind of always felt like I lacked some life skills or some people may call it street smarts. <laughs> so I had to learn a lot through trial and error. And I did make a lot of mistakes. But if anything, the mistakes and the errors just led me to frustration 
And then I just kind of took a moment and I said to God, you know, if you're real, prove it to me and prove to me how you want me to 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 serve you. Because I have so many things in my head based on what I should do. And so over the course of years, and I just can continue to pray, but and I try to do the right things, but my actions didn't always line up with the things that I believed because I found myself in a really peculiar situation. And the real issue that I discovered was that I didn't know how to effectively merge my spiritual beliefs with my day-to-day decisions. So this led me on a voyage. I was no longer on this journey where I was kind of aimlessly walking around and hoping, but I started this voyage of discovery. And I started to look for God. And I would, I would ask God to show me things and help me with things. And I found him. I found him my own way. And I love it. Or I should say that he found me because what I realized is that he was always with me every single time. So I repented. I just didn't repent and say, oh, God, forgive me. I want to, you know, accept you as my savior. But I, 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 I attempted to turn into this another direction as I've accepted God's forgiveness for my life and committed to just kind of checking in with God. That's what I thought. But then I met my husband who taught me that walking with Christ starts with having integrity privately. It's not having just public integrity, but it's having private integrity and holding yourself to this higher standard when nobody is watching. And it just made so much sense to me. It all of a sudden all clicked. And now I understood what it was like and what it meant to actually say, okay, I'm a believer, I'm a follower of Christ, but this is how I do it on my day to day. It's by having integrity when no one is watching. So I repented again. (laughs) But this time, surrendering every part of me to Christ. And I'm so grateful that I did. And I'm so grateful for my husband who was showing me and continues to show me what behaving like Christ is about. That it's not about perfectionism. It's about having integrity. So now that I have this and I'm like, okay, you know, we're going to, we're going to walk this thing out. We're going to walk in integrity and in every way. (laughs) What do I do with my career? Politics. Because no matter what side of the aisle you're on, politics is extremely, extremely messy. And I found a scripture that reads that no man can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It's Matthew 6 and 24. And that became oh so real because politics has some business-like tendencies. Like all industries, money is the driving force. I mean, you can't do anything without it. If you don't have enough money. You can't get on TV. You can't put out mailers. You just can't do stuff. So it has a lot to do with politics. And because it is the blood that provides life to every idea and plan, it has to be addressed some way or another. Well, I felt confident that I could address you know, the, 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 the money issue, because you could simply just, you know, make your own money and that way you don't have to answer to the money monsters of politics. Right. But then I found myself in a unique struggle. My struggle came in 
when it came to policy. Because this was a serious dilemma for me because there's so many different types of policies, so many parts of platforms and things like that, that, you know, um, you may agree with one thing, but not the other. And, and it's just like nobody fits the bill completely. So I really found myself in a really, really interesting space. So I was like, how do I merge church and state in my heart? That was a question that I asked myself. And I asked myself this prior to my husband running for office. It was just kind of like a thing where I was really committed to merging merging this the correct way. So to, to get to my answer, I decided to start with the understanding of whether merging church and state was biblical. And I did discover that it was, but I'll explain that later. So then I backtracked to, is it even constitutional? Because we've all heard about the separation of church and state. And I was like, is that in the Constitution? So I kind of started doing some research, and I realized that it's nowhere to be found in the Constitution. So where did it come from? Here's a little history lesson. So apparently in 1802, Thomas Jefferson wrote a letter to the Danbury Baptist Association in Danbury, Connecticut. It's funny because I was born in New Haven, Connecticut. So <laughs> I was like, here's Connecticut again. In the letter, he states at the very end of his letter that religious belief should be a private matter. The government should not interfere with such matters. And then there it was. He used the phrase building a wall of separation between church and state. So there you have it. So for those of you who believed it was against the Constitution to discuss religion and politics, you can now go be free. The separation was a message that was sent to a particular group for a specific reason that is outlined in the letter. But is there a relationship between God and politics? Definitely still want to know. Where does the government fall off and where does my personal relationship with God begin? Well, the First Amendment explains it for us. In the First Amendment, it says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Meaning, the federal government cannot establish a national religion. Oh, that's so awesome. Aren't you glad? Mm. So the purpose of the government is to protect my freedom of religion and my belief in God. Nothing more, nothing less. This is why I think this is so important. I think, honestly, I think this is the most important part of government. And why do I say that? That's because this means that this is where your spiritual belief in government should merge. Like, this is kind of the, the starting point of it all. Because in a democracy, you have choices. So that means that I can go to my Bible, I can look up what God says about a subject matter, and then I can go and look at the platform of a particular candidate or party, and I can either support it or not, depending on whether it aligns with my spiritual beliefs. That seems extremely easy. I think that that's something that we are all on board with. I think we're good with that. So why is there a struggle? Well, because now policy 
in my opinion, is guided by a ton of misinformation, profiteering lobbyists, and political motivation. I think those are like the top three things that I feel like I've seen since being in politics for over a decade now. You know, I go to candidate websites and they are littered with just a bunch of personal stories and what they dislike about the other side, which is why it was extremely important for my husband to put platform positions on his website because he wanted people to see that this is what he believes in. This is what this is how he plans to vote on things. Thought that was extremely important. What it does is that we, when, when you don't have platform items and agendas on websites and you don't understand what this person is planning to do or not do or what this party is planning to do or not do, we are left now to choose a representative based on who has the least amount of baggage that impacts my spiritual standards the least. <laughs> In other words, I now have to choose whose background, because I don't have any platforms, so whose background, okay, um, impacts me, my spiritual beliefs, the least. It's a tough position to be in. So this is why I am a strong advocate. I'm going to continue to be an advocate for this. Matter of fact, I'm probably going to become more and more vocal about this in this year for having, because this is extremely important, for making sure that we get back to policy positions and platform items, not personalities and people. Because personalities and people are and forever will be flawed. It's just who we are. We can't be perfect. We can't help it. <laughs> this is why we need a savior. Hold another conversation for another episode. But what happens when your party platform or your party and candidate doesn't align with your spiritual beliefs? How do you vote? What do you do? So majority of people were telling me that, you know, in those situations I asked questions, were saying, oh, you just got to pick the lesser of two evils. I think people are kind of tired of doing that, but I understand it. That is the concept. That's what everyone says. I get it. But since we're going by reputation and not positions or platforms, then what happens if the lesser of two evils is not on my side of the argument or my side of the aisle based on my my spiritual beliefs? Then the next step is then then you, 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 you pull away from that. This is the advice I got. You pull away from that and then you proceed to look at what the party stands for. Because clearly that person has to stay within the, 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 the ramifications or the, the guidelines of the party. So you would think that that's like, okay, good. Now I'm back on my side because clearly, regardless of what the reputation is of the person, if you're representing a party that doesn't represent the things that I believe in, now I'm in another situation, right? So now I'm back on my side. But, then, but wait, but wait. So then what happens if the person on my side isn't upholding the beliefs of those that he or she claims to represent. Like, for instance, what if they're a rhino? Or, depending on where you stand, what if they're too MAGA? Or what if they are a corporate Democrat versus a progressive Democrat? So now we are back at square one. Do I vote against my spiritual beliefs? This is something that's extremely personal to me. 
This is something that I've heard said to the black community, particularly from the conservative party, my party, Republican Party, repeatedly. Aren't you a conservative? Why are you voting against your personal beliefs? We, we say that. We kind of beat people over the head with it. You know, why, 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 how, how could you do that? You know that most uh, our community is mostly conservative. How is it? But then on the flip side, what we're not hearing is that the other side is looking at you and say, well, how are you doing it? Because conservatives, we vote against our platform and our beliefs all the time. We really do do it all the time. And the confusion is just all too much. It becomes way more than I think people are willing to handle. And that's how you get voter apathy. Because you're now telling people how they should vote versus giving them something they can believe in or something that lines up with their beliefs. So, going back to my Bible... I was like, what do I do with confusion? <laughs> well, it says that in 1 Corinthians 14 33, it says that for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. So how do we as believers find peace in our decision when we're expected to go against our spiritual beliefs? Like, how do you expect people to sit with that? We don't. Instead, we find some way to find solitude in the peace that is created in our homes, finances, relationships, and careers as a result of the decision that we made without having found peace in God and with God when it comes to these decisions. I think evangelical Democrats are faced with this moral dilemma a lot more than Republican evangelicals because we do try to stick to our beliefs. <laughs> we do put a little more effort, I believe, into it, but that's just me. And here's a prime example. So President Obama, former President Obama, stated that he was not going to support gay marriage. And here's the audio of that. Uh, now with respect to the issue of uh, whether gays and lesbians should be able to get married, uh, I've spoken about this recently. As I've said, you know, my feelings about this are constantly uh, evolving. I struggle with this. Uh, I have friends. I have people who work for me uh, who are in uh, powerful, uh, strong, long-lasting uh, gay or lesbian unions. And uh, they are extraordinary people. And this is something that... Uh, means a lot to them and they care deeply about. Uh, at this point, what I've said is, is that my baseline is a strong civil union that provides them the protections and the legal rights uh, that married couples have. And I but once in office, he no longer struggled with this topic and he pretty much did the exact opposite. But here's his explanation. I have to tell you, as I said, I've, I've been going through an evolution on this issue. Um, I've always been adamant that uh, gay and lesbian uh, Americans should be treated fairly. Uh, at a certain point, I've just concluded that, um, for me personally, it is important for me to go ahead and affirm that uh, I think same-sex couples should be able to get married. So, based on what we just heard, he is now comfortable with gay marriage and gay couples. And 
he believes that they gay couples should be able to get married. He mentioned that he heard from people who held marriage as sacred to their spiritual beliefs. He also mentioned that he talked to people who are in homosexual relationships. But the, the key word that I want to kind of hone in on is that he also said, but ultimately he went with his personal belief that gay couples should be able to get married. Now, this isn't a debate around gay marriage or not. This is a debate around deception. Because when your personal belief is the decision, is what you utilized, then I have to ask you the question, well, when did your personal belief solidify for you? Because it clearly didn't happen prior to you running for office because in the, in the debate, you said that you believe that um, a strong civil union would be enough. So in my opinion, it looks to me like you're playing a game. So you think that this is something that he would have already known prior to running for office, whether he supported it or not, but maybe not. To me, it looks like he's willing to do and say whatever he needs to do and say in order to move his plan forward. But this is why we have to be rooted in something. Because if we're not rooted in something and we play the whole shut up and play the game, shut up and just support, shut up and work with the team, if that's your energy and your mentality around all of this, then you are not rooted in something because you are expecting me or others to kind of waver in our beliefs to fit whatever the plan is or whatever is happening. But the problem is you're asking me to play a game where there aren't any rules. Everyone knows in politics, I mean, especially when it comes to campaigning, I mean, the rules get a little hazy. I mean, there are rules there, but I feel like everyone, it's kind of a, it's kind of Game of Thrones-ish. <laughs> if you watch it, you'll know what I'm talking about. So what do you do when there aren't any rules? This is why our leaders must be rooted as well, rooted in something. This is why it's important to look for people that stand on something. We've all heard the saying, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. That saying is so true. And I have watched it so much over my years in politics. I have watched people. I, I, I have had conversations with people on Monday and then by Friday I'm hearing something totally different because something happened in the middle of the week that in the political space that blew them into another direction and I always ask myself well where did you stand to start with see when you're rooted in something your word is now your bond and the only way it can really be bond is if it's bonded to your faith. It's bonded to something. Your spiritual beliefs should be the womb in which your political beliefs are bore out of. You know, I mean, I think that when you look at what happened between the debate with Obama and when he was in office, the issue is the deception, which was in the flip-flop. <laughs> Why didn't you just say that it was your personal belief on the debate stage? Because he knew that there were people who were going to vote their conscience. And instead of him giving you who he really is, 
he decided to try to play with your conscience to try to get you to vote for him knowing that this is not where he believes. Or maybe he did. I don't know where he really stands on it, to be honest. So today, deception is no longer behind our back. It's no longer disguised. Today, people read about political failures and policies that are anti-Christ. And instead of holding representatives accountable or anti their beliefs, but instead of holding their representatives accountable, they are lean or, or and leaning into your spiritual beliefs. We tend to lean into our parties and our sides, and this is especially bad when it comes to the Republican side because we we are the party that kind of carries the spiritual superiority. We're the ones who call out when things are going in the wrong direction. We don't have a problem doing that when it comes to others. You know, we claim to be the party of Christians and followers of Christ. But in fact, we're kind of nestled into the whole lesser of two evil syndrome as well. And I can't I can't blame voters so much because I do believe that we kind of get the bad end of the deal at times. Because there's so much happening behind the scenes. It's like shadow watching. We're kind of just watching the shadows and we really don't know what exactly is happening. But that being said, I think we're in a position where we as a party need to understand that just because we're not promoting the gender affirming surgeries or you know, any of the other radical stuff that's coming from the other side. But instead, we kind of slide into the bushes when someone on our side supports something that, let's just say, less than holy. So, like, what am I talking about when I talk about, you know, sliding into the bushes and kind of letting things slide? Well, For instance, we're continuing to support candidates who pour money into governmental departments that were created as an experiment that was never really supposed to be a part of the government or be an arm of the government. For example, like the Department of Education. As conservatives, we believe in states' rights. Our state school boards work with educators and parents, as they should, to develop what is needed for our children. And that's all we need. Once again, you can't serve two masters. What I can support, most certainly, is the lowering of taxes because when I go to Matthew 22 and 21, Jesus provided an answer to the question about taxes. He said, render to Caesar what the things that Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. In other words, give Caesar what he's due and give God, you know, what's what's God's. In this case, Caesar was the government at the time. He was collecting the taxes. And so I'm willing to give him what is his, but what is mine, I'm not. Not gonna willing to give it to him. I'm not I'm I, I'm all I only want to give the government what the government is due. I don't want them to take it from me. I don't want them to demand it of me, demand it of me, and I certainly don't want to be extorted. So I'm going to close with a comment that was made by one of my my favorite teachers, Dr. Vadi Bachman. He said that you must ask yourself, why is Caesar here? What is Caesar for? 
and what is Caesar supposed to do? In other words, dear government, why are you here? What are you for? And what are you supposed to do? And not only are you, should you ask those questions of the government, you should ask those questions of your candidate, of your politics, and most importantly, of yourself. Why are you here? What is it for? And what are you supposed to do? Ask yourself these same questions and then ask yourself these same questions when you're getting ready to go vote. Because here's where I stand. The value of my vote is determined by my spiritual beliefs, which is my currency. And I can and I will no longer blindly support anybody or anything because my currency is my spiritual beliefs and it's just too expensive. Thank you for listening to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. Remember to like, share, and follow this podcast so you'll be notified when new episodes have been uploaded. And if you heard something that you like, please give it five stars. And guess what? I need your feedback. Or if you just have a topic that you want to hear or some ideas and ways that I can help to make this podcast more enjoyable for you, please shoot me an email. It goes directly to me at I am period Janelle King at gmail.com. That's I am dot Janelle King at gmail.com. And like I always say, remember, disagreement is democracy. Thank you for listening. Listen each week at the podcastpark.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen and subscribe. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Hi, I'm Mark Beckham with Atlanta Ramjack. We specialize in only foundation repair. What is foundation repair? Foundations sink or settle. These issues need to be addressed. It only becomes more costly the longer you put it off. What is the biggest cause of foundation problem? Either poor construction, inferior site preparation, or weather. Drought causes cracks in your foundations. If you see any signs of foundation issues, please contact us at atlantaramjack.com.